Section 27 of Our Cats and All About Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. Our Cats and All About Them by Harrison Weir. Section 27 A Cat Clock. The following curious incident is to be found in Huck's Chinese Empire. One day, when we went to pay a visit to some families of Chinese Christian peasants, we met near a farm a young lad who was taking a buffalo to graze along our path. We asked him carelessly as we passed whether it was yet noon. The child raised his head to look at the sun, but it was hidden behind thick clouds and he could read no answer there. The sky is so cloudy, said he, but wait a moment. And with these words he ran towards the farm and came back a few minutes afterwards with a cat in his arms. Look here, said he, it is not noon yet, and he showed us the cat's eyes by pushing up the lids with his hands. We looked at the child with surprise, but he was evidently in earnest and the cat, though astonished and not much pleased at the experiment made on her eyes, behaved with most exemplary compliance. Very well, said we, thank you, and he then let go the cat, who made her escape pretty quickly, and we continued our route. To say the truth, we had not at all understood the proceeding, but did not wish to question the little pagan, lest he should find out that we were Europeans by our ignorance. As soon as we reached the farm, however, we made haste to ask our Christians whether they could tell the clock by looking into the cat's eyes. They seemed surprised at the question, but as there was no danger in confessing to them our ignorance of the properties of the cat's eyes, we related what had just taken place. That was all that was necessary. Our complacent neophytes immediately gave chase to all the cats in the neighborhood. They brought us three or four, and explained in what manner they might be made use of for watches. They pointed out that the pupils of their eyes went on constantly growing narrower until twelve o'clock, when they became like a fine line, as thin as a hair, drawn perpendicularly across the eye, and that after twelve the dilation recommenced. Archbishop Whateley once declared that there was only one noun in English which had a real vocative case. It was cat, vocative puss. I wonder if this derivation is true. I take it from a New York journal. When the Egyptians of old worshipped the cat, they settled it that she was like the moon, because she was more bright at night, and because her eyes changed just as the moon changes from new to crescent and to full. So they made an idol of the cat's head and named it Pasht, which meant the face of the moon. Pasht became Pas, Pus, Pus. Church Times, March 8, 1888. Puss in Boots, Le Chat is from the eleventh night of Straparola's Italian fairy tales, 
where Constantine's cat procures his master a fine castle and the king's heiress. First translated into French in 1585, our version is taken from that of Charles Perrault. There is a similar one in the Scandinavian nursery tales. This clever cat secures a fortune and a royal partner for his master, who passes off as the Marquis of Carabas, but is in reality a young miller without a penny in the world. The above is from Dr. Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable, and goes far to prove the antiquity of what is generally believed to be a modern story, many believing it to be one of the numberless pleasant amusing and in a sense instructive nursery or children's stories of the present time. Signs Dorfay, in his poem on Knoll, speaks of the cats at Seven Oaks. The cat, or cats, is by no means a common sign. The subject is well alluded to in The Cat, Past and Present, from the French of Monsieur Champfleury, translated by Mrs. Cachel Hoey at page 33. A sign is pictured from the Lombards' quarter, Paris. It is there over a confectioner's shop, and is a cat seated, or rather two, a sign being placed on either side of the corner. Underneath one is O Chat, the other Noir. I may add the work is a most excellent and amusing collection of much appertaining to cats, and is well worthy of a place in the Cat Lover's Library. In Larwood and Houghton's History of Signboards, a work of much research and merit occurs the following. As I was going through a street of London, where I had never been till then, I felt a general damp and faintness all over me, which I could not tell how to account for, till I chanced to cast my eyes upwards, and found I was passing under a signpost, on which the picture of a cat was hung. This little incident of the cat-hater, told in number 538 of the spectator, is a proof of the presence of cats on the signboard, where indeed they are still to be met with, but very rarely. There is a sign of the cat at Egremont in Cumberland, a black cat at St. Leonard's Gate, Lancaster, and a red cat at Birkenhead, and a red cat in The Hague, Holland, to which is attached an amusing story worthy of perusal. The cat and parrot and the cat and lion apparently have no direct meaning, unless by the former may be inferred that if you lap like a cat of the liquid sold at the hostelry, you will talk like a parrot. Yet according to Larwood and Houghton, it was a bookseller's sign. The cat in cage and the cat in basket were signs much in vogue during the frost fair on the Thames in 1739-40. to 40 a live cat being hung outside some of the booths, which afterwards was not infrequent at other festive meetings. What the exact origin was is not quite apparent. Cat and Fiddle, a public house sign, is a corruption either of the French Catherine la Fidele, wife of Tsar Peter, the Great of Russia, or of Caton la Fidele, meaning Caton, governor of Calais. Dr. Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable. 
cat and fiddle while on the subject of signboards says a writer in cassell's old and new london volume one page five hundred and seven we may state that piccadilly was the place in which the cat and fiddle first appeared as a public house sign the story is that a frenchwoman a small shopkeeper at the eastern end soon after it was built had a very faithful and favorite cat and that in the lack of any other sign she put over her door the words voici un chat fidele from some cause or other the chat fidele soon became a popular sign in france and was speedily anglicized into the cat and fiddle because the words form part of one of our most popular nursery rhymes we do not pledge ourselves as to the accuracy of this definition in farringdon devon is the sign of le chat fidele in commemoration of a faithful cat without scanning the phrase too nicely it may simply indicate that the game of cat trap ball and a fiddle for dancing are provided for customers yet according to larwood and houghton's history of signboards there is yet another version and another of the matter for it is stated a little hidden meaning is there in the cat and fiddle still a great favorite in hampshire the only connection between the animal and the instrument being that the strings are made from cats entrails sick and that a small fiddle is called a kit and a small cat a kitten besides they have been united from time immemorial in the nursery rhyme hey diddle diddle the cat and the fiddle amongst the other explanations offered is the one that it may have originated with the sign of a certain caton fidele a staunch protestant in the reign of queen mary and only have been changed into the cat and fiddle by corruption but if so it must have lost its original appellation very soon for as early as fifteen eighty nine we find henry carr sign of the cat and fiddle in the old change formerly there was a cat and fiddle at norwich the cat being represented playing on a fiddle and a number of mice dancing round her cat and bagpipes was not uncommon in ireland this instrument being the national one in place of the fiddle when doctors disagree who shall decide thus i leave it cat and mutton from cassell's old and new london volume four page two hundred and twenty three near the imperial gas works hagerstown is goldsmith's row this was formerly known as mutton lane a name still given to that part of the thoroughfare bordering on the southern extremity of london fields where stands a noted public house rejoicing in the sign of the cat and mutton affixed to the house and two signboards which are rather curious they have upon them the following doggerel lines pray puss do not tear because the mutton is so rare pray puss do not claw because the mutton is so raw cat and wheel most likely to be a corruption of catherine wheel there was a sign of this name in the borough southwark in france some signs are still more peculiar as a cat playing at racket chat qui pelote fishing cat le chat qui pêche the dancing cat and the well-known puss in boots 
Whittington and his cat is by no means uncommon, and was not unknown in the early part of the seventeenth century. Somewhere I remember having seen Whittington's cat without the master, which I suppose arose from the painter not knowing how to portray Sir Richard. Cat and Kittens, a public house sign alluding to the pewter pots so called. Stealing these pots is termed cat and kitten sneaking. We still call a large kettle a kitchen and speak of a soldier's kit. Parentheses Saxon, Sitel, a pot, pan, or vessel generally. Close parentheses. Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable. May not this sign be intended to mean merely what is shown, the cat and kittens, indicative of comfort and rest? Or may it have been cat and chitterlings, an allusion to the source from which fiddle-strings were said to be derived? Cat and tortoise. This seems to have no meaning other than at a tavern extremes meet, the fast and the slow, the lively and the stolid, or it is possibly a corruption of something widely different. End of section 27. Recording by James O'Connor. Randolph, Massachusetts. March 2011